Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the CMLTA podcast. Today, we are back for the third episode in our series on complaints and unprofessional conduct. Before we get into the details, it is important to remember that all information in each podcast is only applicable to current legislation, standards, codes of ethics, policies, and guidelines, all of which may change over time. So far in the series, we have gone over how unprofessional conduct is defined, some of the different pathways a complaints director may take to resolve a complaint, such as informal resolutions and alternative complaints resolution, but we have not yet talked about investigations and hearings, which is what we are diving into today. The complaints director may choose to do an investigation on any complaint. However, investigations are typically done when the individual who submits the complaint, the complainant, and the person who the complaint is about, who we call the investigated person, have very different versions of the incidents or actions that led to a complaint being filed. An investigation may also be appropriate if neither party has given significant evidence of what occurred, making it very difficult for the complaints director to make an appropriate decision on the complaint and how it should be handled. The purpose of the investigation is to have a non-biased third-party interviewer who only collects the facts so that the complaints director can make an appropriate decision about the complaint. If the complaints director decides that an investigation must be conducted, both the complainant and the investigated person are given the name of the investigator and updated on the status of the investigation every 60 days. There may be some rare instances when the investigated person may not be given the name of the investigator, but this would only be in situations where it would cause significant harm to the investigation if this information was given. The investigator has to make every effort to interview the complainant unless they decline to be interviewed. The complainant also has the opportunity to give the investigator names of anyone who may have information relevant to the complaint. Investigators are given quite a few powers under the Health Professions Act, or HPA, but they must make sure that they only investigate matters that are relevant to the complaint and could give rise to a finding of unprofessional conduct. So they can't get information on a variety of situations. They can only ask questions specifically related to the complaint. The investigator can require any person to answer questions related to the complaint under oath and has the ability to require any person to give documents or items relevant to the investigation. If a document is related to the investigation, the person who has it in their possession must allow the investigator to take it away in order to copy it, but the investigator does have the responsibility to return it within a reasonable time frame. Although the investigator must return the original, they may keep copies of the documents. If the investigator requires a substance or thing to be examined as part of the investigation, the individual who has that that substance or thing in their possession must allow the investigator to take it away to examine it. The investigator, of course, has the responsibility to return the substance or thing as soon as possible. In all cases, the investigator must return all documents and items to the individual who had them once a hearing is complete. An investigator also may enter and inspect any building where the investigated person provides professional services with the exception of publicly funded facilities as described by the HPA, unless consent is given by the person who controls or operates that publicly funded facility. So there's quite a full list of what is defined as publicly funded facilities in the HPA, but the only facility that an MLT would typically work in that would fall under that definition are hospitals. Most of the facilities that fall under the definition are those that have patients or people staying in the facility overnight or long-term, such as nursing homes and correctional facilities. So an investigator would need to get permission before entering a hospital to investigate. 
If you are interested in what other facilities fall under the definition of a publicly funded facility, the full description is in section 51 of the HPA. If for any reason there are individuals who refuse to be interviewed or to produce any document or item relevant to the investigation, the complaints director may apply to the Court of Queen's Bench for an order to produce these items or to answer the investigator's questions relevant to the investigation. Once an investigation is complete, the investigator provides a report to the complaints director. If the complaints director determines that the report is incomplete, they can direct the investigator to complete the investigation and provide a new report, or they also have the opportunity to choose or appoint a new investigator. Once a completed investigation report is received, the complaints director has only two options. They can refer the matter to a hearing or dismiss the complaint if it is vexatious or trivial or there is insufficient evidence. If a complaint is dismissed at this point or at any other point after the complaint is received, the complainant is given 30 days to appeal the decision. If the matter is referred to a hearing, the hearings director must schedule the hearing within 90 days. An extension may be granted by the president if there are reasonable grounds for the extension or in the event that both the complaints director and the investigative person agree to the extension. Although there are cases where an extension may be granted, the timelines are set by the HPA to ensure a timely process, which is in the best interest of the public. The hearings director must also give all parties the information for the hearing, including giving the investigative person and all witnesses a notice to attend or notice to produce an item or document relevant to the hearing. Most hearings are open to the public, meaning anyone can attend, except for in some exceptional circumstances, such as when it could impact the safety of a person or the public, or if it could compromise the ability of a witness to testify. If any part of a hearing is held in private, the investigated person and their legal counsel, as well as the complaints director and their legal counsel, must still be able to attend. The complainant must also be allowed to attend a private hearing unless the hearing tribunal directs otherwise. It is also important to note that even when a hearing is public, witnesses other than the investigated person may be excluded from the hearing until it's their turn to give evidence or to be examined. The hearings director is also responsible for establishing the hearing tribunal. The hearing tribunal selection is much like the complaints review committee selection that we discussed in the last episode. The hearings director selects at least two members from the council approved list of regulated members and public members that have been appointed by the government of Alberta. Hearing tribunals must always have at least 50% public member representation. So if there are two MLTs selected for the tribunal, there must be at least two public members. The hearing does have similar components to a court proceeding where witnesses are interviewed and evidence is presented and re reviewed by the hearing tribunal. An investigated person must appear at the hearing and they are allowed to be represented by legal counsel. The investigated person or their legal counsel may also examine any witness that appears before the hearing tribunal. If an investigated person does not show up to a hearing, even though they were given a notice to attend, the hearing tribunal can decide to proceed without them and make a decision without the investigated person being present. This prevents the investigated person from trying to avoid the consequences of their actions by not attending the hearing. Both the investigated person and the complaints director may request that any person who may be a witness or have knowledge of the complaint be given a notice to attend or a notice to produce a document, substance, or thing. If any witness fails to comply with a notice to attend or produce, the college or the investigated person can apply to the Court of Queen's Bench for an order to comply with that notice. Witnesses have both obligations and rights within the hearing process. 
Witnesses have the obligation to be examined under oath and are not exempt from answering questions that could incriminate them or establish their liability in a civil proceeding or prosecution under the HPA or any other enactment. However, if a witness does answer a question in the hearing that establishes their liability or incriminates them, that information cannot be used against them in any other civil proceeding or prosecution under the HPA or any other enactment. The only exception to this is if the witness commits perjury, which means that their testimony is willingly untruthful and they knowingly told lies. Once the hearing is complete, the hearing tribunal must decide whether the conduct of the investigated person is unprofessional. The hearing tribunal acts similarly to both the judge and jury in a criminal proceeding. However, unlike a criminal proceeding, the evidence of unprofessional conduct does not need to meet the criteria of being beyond a reasonable doubt. If the hearing tribunal has reasonable or probable grounds to believe that the conduct was unprofessional, they can make the finding of unprofessional conduct. If they do make a finding of unprofessional conduct, the hearing tribunal can also request that the college provide information on any previous tribunal decisions regarding that investigated person. This is done because a hearing tribunal will likely make a different order for someone whose unprofessional conduct is a first offense versus someone who has been charged with unprofessional conduct more than once, especially if the same standard or code was breached in both cases. If the hearing tribunal decides that the conduct of the investigated person is unprofessional conduct, they can make orders that the investigated person must follow. Orders are meant to remediate the unprofessional conduct and ensure that the public is protected. There's a large list of orders that a hearing tribunal can make that have a wide range of impacts on the practice permit of the individual charged with unprofessional conduct. These orders can include cautioning or reprimanding the person. They can also include placing conditions on on the individual's practice permit, such as supervision requirements or restricting the area of practice that they can work in. They can also order the person to do education courses, undergo counseling or treatment, provide evidence that they are not incapacitated, or pay fines. The tribunal can also decide to suspend or cancel the practice permit of the individual. The hearing tribunal is responsible for ensuring that the orders they make suit the unprofessional conduct that occurred. They need to be fair and they need to be in the best interest of the public. The hearing tribunal must make a written decision on the complaint, which must include a description of the finding it made, so was it unprofessional conduct or not, detailed reasons for why they made that decision, and information on any order they make with respect to that decision. Once the decision is made, the investigated person does have the option to appeal the decision. We have talked about appeals a few times throughout our complaint series, but we haven't really gone into detail about what that means yet. We will cover appeals as well as some exceptions to the complaints process when there are complaints of sexual abuse and sexual misconduct on our next episode of complaint series. Make sure you just subscribe to the CMLTA podcast so that you don't miss any of that information. As always, we hope that you enjoyed this episode and please feel free to reach out to us with any questions by email at cmlta at cmlta.org. Thanks for tuning in.